Um, before I say anything else, we are so grateful to you as a church family. Um, Mike is getting better. Some of you know that my back went, seriously went, the other day. And I wasn't going to share any of this, but I'm still so excited about it. I went to bed one night in pain after about 10 days of my back being really, 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 really sore. And I know people were praying, some people in here knew. And I was up the next morning, stood by the side of my bed, thinking, hang on a minute, it's been taking me an hour, half an hour, to get out of the bed, to be standing up. And I am standing up. And I have no pain. And I would love there to have been a video camera, because I'm standing there and I'm going, that doesn't hurt. And then, because my right side had been worse, and then I'm sort of, oh, that doesn't hurt, and that doesn't hurt. And I'd spent days with my right leg sort of shuffling along. I could not lift my right leg up without it bringing tears to my eyes. And I could lift up my right leg. I can stretch up. I can bend down. I can twist. Sorry, it's just so, so exciting. Your prayers are so, so valuable. Never belittle your prayers. They're so, so valuable. <clears throat> I'm continuing on with the theme that we're on, a people on a mission. We're having a bit of people interactivity this morning. And what I'd like you to do before anything else is to stand up. I know you've just sat down and got comfortable, but I would like you to stand up. And as you're standing there, just concentrate on your breathing. Just think how it feels to breathe. As soon as I ask you to do that, your breathing will alter. But you know how you breathe normally. It just happens, doesn't it, without you thinking. And then we're going to do something slightly different. We're going to breathe in for four. And then we're going to hold our breath. We are not going to breathe out. We're going to breathe in for four again. And we're not going to breathe out. If you start to feel dizzy or faint, please breathe. <laughs> Don't want people collapsing, okay? We're going to take it to the point where you have to breathe out, where you have no option. So this isn't a competition to see you can be the last person standing. Take proper breaths, okay? Are you ready? So we're going for breathing in. Ready? When you need to breathe out, breathe out. Just remember how it felt when you, just before you had to breathe out, that pressure, okay? We're going the other way. We're going to breathe out for four, breathe out for four, breathe out for four. Don't cheat and take in the biggest possible breath before you start. We're just going to breathe out, okay? <clears throat> Breathe in when you need to breathe in. And sit down. Steve's just walked in and thought, what on earth is going on? <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you. Remember what it felt like at the pressure when you're full of breath, 
and you really need to breathe out and when you're empty of breath and you really need to breathe in. Several months ago now, I was reading in Romans and I reached Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. Familiar verses to many of us. And in the NIV, can we get it up, Brian? In the NIV, it says this. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And I read that and I thought, okay, not conforming to the pattern of the world, transforming by the renewing of my mind. We have had excellent teaching on that. I have read stuff on that. I definitely, I'm not there yet, but I'm working on that. I understand that. But the first bit, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I thought, what does that actually mean? And somebody said to me years ago, I think it was at school, that you only really understand something when you can explain it to somebody else. So whenever I read something and I have a bit of a query about it, I stop and think, if Paul came up to me and said, what do you think that means? Could I give him something as an answer that made sense? And I read it and I thought, I could waffle. I'm very good at waffling. I could waffle, but I wouldn't be able to explain it in a way that I wanted to. So I started to research and to study and to investigate. And in the message, the same verse says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, place it before God as an offering. And there's a bit more, and then it says, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, place it before God as an offering. And I thought, well, that's quite clear. That's quite simple, and that's quite straightforward. But the more I thought about it, I thought, actually, that's quite daunting and quite scary, because this is every aspect of my life. And it's one thing to know that God knows everything about me and everything I do and everything I think, that God knows everything about me. It's another thing for me to go, there you go, God. This is my life. This is every aspect of my life, every part of my life. I'm bringing this to you as an offering. This is my true and proper worship. Sounds really daunting. And I started to think about, okay, how do I even practically start to live like that? What do I have to be like to do that? We have to walk really, really close to him. We've heard about that a lot. Um, we have to have a life that is worthy of him. Is that even possible? Philippians 1, verse 10 to 11, again in the message says, live a lover's life. I love that. In your walk with God, live a lover's life. When you think about when you first fall in love with somebody and what you are like and how much you want to please them and how close you want to be with them, live a lover's life. Circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of. 
bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. And then in verse 27 in the NIV, it says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In the message, meanwhile, live in such a way that you are a credit to the message of Christ. In the passion, whatever happens, keep living your lives based on the reality of the gospel of Christ, which reveals him to others. There's no clause. If you are having a bad time, you are excused. If you are in pain, you are excused. If you are grieving, you are excused. There's no clause in this. There's no clause, there's no if. What it means is that whatever happens, in the meanwhile, this is doable. God doesn't put stuff into scripture that we can't do. We might read it and feel that it's really, really daunting, but it is doable. We're gonna have to work at it, but it is doable. So I thought, well, I'm starting to see a bit of a pattern in the process here. It's a drawing close. We were hearing about that this morning a drawing close, but it's in order to go into life. And it's in order to go into a life that isn't just for me, but it's for everybody that I meet. I draw close so I can go into this life, my everyday, ordinary, walking around, going to work life. And it says in some of those verses, it's getting everyone involved, it's revealing him to others, it's in here and it's out there, it's both. We're a people on a mission, in our ordinary, everyday life, we are living sacrifices on the move. I have a very vivid imagination, as many of you know. <laughs> I see things in pictures, and I'm careful then, when I start seeing things and get all excited, is it based in scripture? Is it, if I got things, if I got examples, are there things in the scriptures that tell me that what I'm thinking about and what I'm picturing is actually real? And I'm not going to go through the examples. Ryan, if you pop those up. I'm not going to go through these in great depth. I'm not going to read the verses. I am summarizing. So in Isaiah 6, verse 1 to 8, which we've had coming into the church now, I think on four separate occasions since the start of September, it's Isaiah and he sees God. He sees God. And because he sees God in all his majesty and all his awesomeness and all his magnificence, he realizes who he has, he is. And he says, woe is me. But then God wants to send somebody. He's saying, who can I send? And Isaiah says, I'm going, send me. Doesn't know what the mission is. Doesn't know what he's going to be asked to do. He just says, here I am, send me. Exodus 3, verse 2 to 6 Jeff mentioned it. I think John talked about Moses last week. Moses saw the burning bush. Here I am. And God said, this is holy ground. He saw the holiness of God. He hides his face because he's afraid to look at God. And then in verse 10 to 12, God says, go, I'm sending you. And Moses said, but who am I? God says, go, I will be with you. Matthew 28, 16 to 20, there are 11 disciples who have been with Jesus. They have lived, walked, laughed, cried, eaten. They have been his companions. They've drawn close. And he says, go, surely I am with you always. 
Genesis 22, verse 1, God calls Abraham and he says, here I am. And God says, take your son and sacrifice him. Next verse, early the next morning, and off he goes, drawing close, going. Genesis 46, 1 to 5, Jacob offers sacrifices. God calls Jacob, Jacob. He says, here I am. God says, go. Jacob leaves. I love this next one. I don't know what you're like when you read some of the stories in scripture and you get to know these characters and I think they are just so amazing and so wonderful. How can I identify with them? Acts 9 verse 10 starts, in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. And I love this. It made me think of David the other week talking about an ordinary bloke. He's an ordinary bloke. Ananias, yes, Lord, go. And where he's being told to go, as many of us know, is to speak to Saul, who is persecuting all the Christians. And in my head, I'm thinking if that was me, I'd be going, seriously? Seriously? Of all the people you want me to go and talk to, you really want me to do that? And God says, go. And he went. Acts 8, verse 26 to 40 the angel tells Philip to go. So he starts out, the spirit tells him to stay near, and this whole story unpacks. And the last one, Matthew 26, 36 to 46. This is Jesus in Gethsemane. And it says that he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And then he said to his disciples, rise, let us go. It's a drawing close, but that isn't where it stops. There's a go. So there's a pattern and a process. So I'm very practical. I need to understand how that actually works. There are 10 chairs here. They have pieces of card on most of them. I need 10 people to come out, sit on the chairs, and just keep the card how it is. I am not going to ask you to speak or do anything scary. To put it bluntly, I just need your bodies. So can I have 10 people, please? <laughs> I'm going to get out of the way. Come on, folks, move with some speed. Whoops. So throw things on the floor. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Julia. Oh, look at that. I've got too many. Don't worry if you haven't got one. You're in for a specific treat. I'm sorry, I don't know your name. What's your, no, no, Trish needs that one. Your name is Ben. Hi, I'm Ali. Nice to meet you. <laughs> You're so glad you came now, aren't you? <laughs> okay, this is my human flow chart, okay? For anyone who loves flow charts, John, I'm hoping, maybe. Anyone who loves flow charts, I've tried to stay true to the shapes because I like flow charts and they need to be the right shape. Okay, so it's an example, it is generalized, it is simplified. But what I'm trying to show you is this is what it looks like to be a people on a mission. It's our ordinary, everyday life submitted and obedient to him. Okay, guys, willing volunteers, I'm going to work my way along. And when I get to you, can you just stand up, try and get it up the right way, hold up the colored side of your piece of card. Okay, colored side. Right, Joy, up you go. So on my flow chart, this is a start symbol. On the flow chart, we start just as we are. 
David mentioned this. When we come to God, we come just as we are. We can't do it any other way, can we? And sometimes we'll come full of faith, bubbling over with excitement. Sometimes we'll come to God desperate and in need. But that's where we have to start. Don't sit down. Debbie, this is an input and output sign. (laughs) We draw close. We come to God, we draw close. And again, this will change for us. It will be different for each of us how we do that. And it will be different for how we do that in different circumstances and different situations, depending on how we're feeling and what's going on. And Tracy brought us this word this morning, didn't she? About how God wants us so close, wants to hold us so close. It's the choice to draw close. And what happens, Julia, is we end up in a process. Just like Isaiah, we see how awesome God is. We should never, ever forget that. Much as it's wonderful that God is a loving father, much as it's wonderful those aspects of God where he's compassionate and caring, he is a mighty, magnificent, awesome God. And what happens is we react like Isaiah and we feel, woe is me. But because we're Christians, because we're full of the power of the Holy Spirit, so I know I'm getting in the way, you can catch up, um, we can say who I am because of him. Everything that God tells us in the Bible about who we are because Jesus has died for us, because he's given us his Holy Spirit, we can be confident in who God tells us that we are. Eddie, decision. The decision we have is what do we choose to believe? This is really, really important. We talk about an awesome God. We talk about who we are in him. How much of that do we really believe? Really believe. And it's really important because, Helen, this is the best shape ever. This is an inner storage, and it's the shape of a floppy disk, folks, for those of you that are old enough to remember. It's important what we believe because it goes into our inner storage. It goes into our head. It goes into our heart. It dictates how we live, what we think, our view on things. What we believe has a direct impact on our ordinary, everyday life. Then we go along again, and God has an output for us, which is go. So we've drawn close, we've chosen to believe, we've stored it, we go. Whatever God asks us to do, we go. Or do we? We have another decision, don't we? Do we now decide, yes, I'm going? Is that where we get to? That's our sort of choice, if you like. Tricia has a Stay there. (laughs) Tricia has an end symbol because you have to have a start and an end on a flow chart. But if Trish turns it round, it's actually just the beginning. Because when we've done all of this, if you were here last week, John gave us example after example of how we can speak to people about Jesus. And that's what happens here. Once we start going and moving, That's what happens here going forward. Sorry, you're going to have to stay standing up for a bit longer. So is this the pattern in the process? Is this living sacrificially? Is this all of my life? Is this reflecting true and proper worship? I think there needs to be one simple change, and we're going to add one symbol. 
Benny's going to be so pleased that he's come this morning. <laughs> Keith and David, if you turn, swap round. Change, change seat. Keep it up as yellow. Watch that. I'm sorry. You are not going to understand this at all, and I'm not going to explain it. It matches his socks. We're okay. <laughs> okay, so, quick recap. We come just as we are. We draw close. We recognize how awesome God is, and we realize this woe is me, but we know who we are because of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to decide what we believe. It goes into inner storage. The difference here, if David turns this round now, is we decide, here I am. Before we know the go, just like Isaiah, here I am, here I am. For me, this makes a huge, huge difference. If I come to God in the morning and I go through this and I get to here and I say, here I am, this is so much easier. I don't have to make a decision because I've already decided. I've walked into my day saying, God, whatever it is, I'm going to go. For me, this is the key to living sacrificially. This makes all the difference. Because then when God says go, in an ideal world, you just go. I would love to stand here and say, every time God tells me to go, I just go. That is not true. <laughs> I have a new shape which I've introduced into flowcharts, which doesn't exist. It says on here, gulp. It's a gulp moment. My dictionary definition of a gulp moment is it's an Ananias, ordinary bloke moment. It's the, go and do this, Ali. Go and speak to that person. And then I go, seriously? I was going to try and gulp, but I don't think it would... <laughs> and the gulp, and for those of you that recognize the yellow hat, you know what it means. It's out of your comfort zone, it's spreading your wings wide, it's getting out of the harbor, it's a gulp moment, and then you carry on. Does that all make sense, yeah? We have to learn what triggers the gulp. It's really important, it will be different for everybody. I know for me sometimes, I am tired and God comes along and says, go and speak to somebody, go and do this, go and bless that person. And I'm like, I am shattered, God. And it's like, gulp, okay, off I go. Sometimes it's, I've got all my priorities twisted around. I hate being interrupted. You know, they talk about starter completers as a personality type. I hate being interrupted when I'm trying to do things. Mike's now laughing. Um, and sometimes you have to be willing to be interrupted. But I think for many of us, the biggest one is simply fear. It's just fear. Am I going to look stupid? What is somebody going to think? What if they think I'm an idiot? What if I can't say the right words? What if I can't? What if I can't? What if I can't? And it stops you going. So it's really important that you know what the gulp moment is. But here I am beforehand, again, really, really helps. And I've got a card and I don't know when Kerry said this, it could have been recently, it could have been years ago, but it says, fear not doing what God asks rather than fearing man. Fear not doing what God asks rather than fearing man. So for me, 
and I, you'll all have your own way to doing it. I get to here, which sometimes is a real battle, and then I get to here, and I'm ready to go, and I get to this point, and for me, I put on my yellow hat. Not literally. Don't panic. I don't walk around carrying it. But for me, that symbolizes, I've just got to get on with this. God is telling me to go. I've said, here I am. Off I go. So it's a full process. And it's a bit like you breathe in. So you're all the way along here. I'm out of breath now. You breathe in. And then from here, you're breathing out. Does that make sense? You breathe in all the way and then you breathe out. It's a process. My flow chart is very simple. It might be that you breathe in several times and then you breathe out. You might come close several times and then God tells you to go. You might find that you breathe in and your day is just full of opportunities and you breathe out and you breathe out and you breathe out. But then you need to come back and breathe in again. And there's one loop I wanted to emphasize that can happen in two different ways. You can do the, actually just the beginning, you can have the conversation, it's fantastic. You're absolutely buzzing because it's gone so well, you've obeyed, and that builds up this inner storage. It might be that you don't go, and we need to be really careful that that doesn't end up in here. If you make a mistake, you say sorry, you stand up, you go again. Yeah? You can get so discouraged if you're not careful. So it's as naturally as breathing. It's just as simple. It's people on a mission in ordinary, everyday life. There are all sorts of places that the flow can get interrupted. Even just coming to God saying, this is how I am making the decision to draw close. There's all sorts of places. But I want to emphasize two this morning that I thought were particularly important. So David, Keith, and Ben, you can sit down. Everybody else, stay standing up. So this is drawing close, but not breathing out. Think back to that pressure that you felt. So you draw close, you draw close, you draw close, it gets fuller and fuller and fuller. And we know that we're supposed to be reaching out. We know that we're supposed to be speaking. But the pressure builds and builds, and it makes going that much harder. It becomes this big thing. It stops being part of our ordinary life, and it becomes this weight and this pressure and something that's difficult. I know I should be going, but... And it just builds... John last week in his introduction spoke about the obligation and the duty to witness. And it's true. It's heavy. To me, that sounds heavy, but it's true. And it's clear in scripture that we've been commissioned with a command to go. It's true. And some of what John described, how he approaches, the words he uses, I know I cannot do that. That's true. Because I'm not John. I'm me. And John talked about the right people, the right words, the right timing, and that's all true. And all I have to do is be ready as me. I don't have to know the scripture like John knows the scripture. I don't have to have eloquent words like John has eloquent words. 
God will use me exactly as I am, as long as I'm available. Exactly as I am. He has the right people for me. And the danger is it just builds and builds and builds because I'm simply not just being me and doing as God's asking me to do. You'll be very relieved because now everybody is sitting down apart from Joy and Keith and Tricia. Sorry, everybody else, if you can sit down. This is the other way. This is breathing out and breathing out and breathing out and not breathing in. So you've come just as you are. You've probably initially gone through this and you get to here and you go. You obey and you step out and you are so keen to continue. This is so exciting and you forget this and you give out and you give out and you give out. And the danger is that you start doing it in your own strength, in your own words. You start getting tired, you start running on empty. You breathe out and out and out. And if you never breathe in naturally, you expire, don't you? <laughs> you have to do this bit as well as this bit. It's a whole process. We can't survive on yesterday's breath. We can't survive on our breath half an hour ago. And we have to expel air before we can breathe in. We have to understand and master our spiritual breath control. It's a discipline. We draw close, we are obedient. We draw close, we're obedient. Thank you very much. Give them a round of applause. You can sit back down. It reminds me of two lines out of a song of my favourite musical, My Fair Lady. There's a gentleman, a professor, called Professor Henry Higgins, who is an expert in elocution, teaches people to speak correctly. Um, and one of his colleagues gives him a dare, gives him a bet, and it's to take a cockney flower girl called Eliza off the streets of London and transform her into a lady. <laughs> all the etiquette, all the deportment, the right clothes, the right manners, the right speech, her elocution is his challenge to take this girl and make her into this lady. Okay. And the story goes through, and by the end of it, in one of the last scenes, Henry Higgins is on his own. Eliza has fallen in love with this young gentleman called Freddie, and she has left the house. Henry Higgins isn't a particularly likable character. He's quite arrogant, he's quite full of himself. And there's this really funny song at the end where he's having this major rant at Eliza because how dare she leave him? How dare she go and want to marry somebody else? How dare she walk away? But the other half of it, he is realizing that he has come to love her because of all the time they've spent together and everything about her, he has come to love her. And it says this, she almost makes the day begin. I've grown accustomed to the tune that she whistles night and noon, her smiles, her frowns, her ups, her downs. They're second nature to me now, like breathing out and breathing in. I was serenely independent and content before we met. Surely I could always be that way again, and yet, I've grown accustomed to her look, accustomed to her voice, accustomed to her face. 
I would love to rewrite that because for me, it sounds a bit like a love song with God if you change it a bit. Dangerous to become accustomed to God, to become familiar with God, but we should be so close that we hear him. That's my heart's desire. I am so close that whenever he speaks, however loud, however quiet, in whatever way, whatever situation in, is that I hear him. We have to be so close. And it talks about second nature to me now, like breathing out and breathing in. Second nature is a tendency or a habit that has become characteristic or instinctive. And an instinct is done without conscious thought. It's a person doing or being a specified thing, apparently, naturally, or automatically. It's an acquired behavior. It's a custom. It's a force of habit. And when we become Christians, we become new creations, don't we? We become new creations, and there's so much that we're given. But some of this we have to work through, we have to progress through, we have to develop, we have to grow. We take on a new nature, step by step by step. Every time we choose to draw close, every time we choose to step out and obey. And it isn't easy at first. I don't know where you were on that continuum, that flow chart. I don't know whether here I am is a step too far at the moment for you. You're okay with the go and then deciding whether to know or not. But saying to God, actually, whatever it is, I don't know where you're at. But it's a process. And all God is ever asking us to do is be honest about where we are and look to go further. Yes? So I was thinking about all of this, and I thought, does this really make a difference? I don't know what you're like, but there have been times when God so clearly has told me to do something and go and say something to somebody, and I've had my gulp, and I've gone, and I've done what he's asked me to do, and I've come away, and I've thought, does that really make a difference? Did I miss here? Was there more? Should I have stayed? Should I have asked more questions? Should I, should I, what should I have done? What's the impact if we're living as a people on a mission, we're outworking it on our everyday ordinary life, we are living sacrifices on the move. In the message, in Philippians 2, 14 to 15, it says, go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air, in this squalid and polluted society, a breath of fresh air. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night. When Mike and I were on holiday in Cornwall at the end of September, things didn't go quite as planned as some of you know. We arrived on the Friday night. The gentleman who we were hiring the cottage for who lived next door came and introduced himself, all fantastic, unpack, go to bed. Two o'clock in the morning, Mike's going, I'm in quite a lot of pain. Nothing beforehand, but I'm in quite a lot of pain. So we pray. He's still in quite a lot of pain. By four o'clock in the morning, he's in agony. I have never heard somebody in such pain. I've never seen somebody in such pain. And we're praying, and I'm ringing 111, and they're going, we'll get the ambulance to you as soon as we possibly can. We're down these narrow country lanes in Cornwall, which is fantastic, except the ambulance is now going to have to try and find us. And I start off, and I'm okay. 
I am praying, I am speaking out in tongues, I am remembering the right scriptures, I'm doing everything that I know that I should be doing. But there is this man who now no longer wants me anywhere near him because he's in so much pain and it is loud and he is in agony. And I love him and there's something inside me that starts to break. And I'm thinking, what do I do if he goes unconscious? trying to remember my first aid. How do I do CPR? What do I do about this? How do I cope with that? Our eldest son, Chris, was with us. How do I protect him? I'm living next door to these people who must be awake and must be thinking, what on earth is going on? What is she doing to him? <laughs> and it went like that. My perspective and my view shifted. I didn't lose faith, but I got so involved with everything that was going wrong and I'm forgetting the one who makes sure that everything goes right and the gentleman of the house came out really early to take his dogs for a walk and I popped out and I just said I'm so sorry about <laughs> about the noise my we've called an ambulance my husband's in huge amounts of pain we're just waiting for the ambulance I do apologize um, and we had a bit of a chat and he went and about 10 minutes later there is a knock at the door and I opened the door, and this lady said, Hi, my name is Pauline. I live next door. I am a Christian. Can I pray? Hi, my name is Pauline. I live next door. I'm a Christian. Can I pray? I don't quite know what reaction she was expecting, but to be enveloped in the hugest, squelched, bear hug known to mankind because everything in me just released. It was just the right person, just the right time, just the right words. It made a huge impact. I said, yes, I'm a Christian. I would love you to pray. And she came in and boy, did she pray. It wasn't a dear God, would you mind if, if your word is true, um, we know that we are, it wasn't like that, it was this powerful, scripture-based, faith-inspiring prayer, it was exactly what I needed, but just the fact that she'd come to the door and said what she said changed my perspective, it changed it then, it changed it with the paramedics, it changed it when I'm trying to follow an ambulance down Cornish lanes, not my favourite thing to do, it changed the backwards and forwards to the hospital, the trying to look after Christopher, trying to work out how we were going to get home. It just changed everything. It's changed how I'm speaking to you, and it will carry on to change. And all she did was say, Hi, my name is Pauline. I live next door. I'm a Christian. Can I pray? That is all she did. It was just amazing. And then I thought, I wonder what it was like for her. What was it like for her? She went away for the rest of the week. I only saw her at the end of the week. And I thought, she's standing, well, whatever she was doing, and she just gets this urge, this nudge. She just knows she's got to come and tell me that she's a Christian and she wants to pray. And when I saw her just before I came away, I said, do you know, that was exactly what I needed. And she said, I was just in the kitchen, starting my day, and that's what I needed to say. And I've told God that when he tells me to speak, I will speak. If she hadn't done what God asked her to do, my whole experience of those next few days would have been completely different. It changed my experience. So never, ever belittle or think what you've said and what you've done isn't enough. <laughs> 
as long as we're obedient to what God is asking, it doesn't matter if there's somebody else that goes and talks to somebody, reads some bits of scripture, they become a Christian, they get baptized the next Sunday, and you go and you say something to somebody and then you walk away and you never see them again. You have no idea the impact of what you say. We're a people on a mission out working in our ordinary everyday life. I want to finish by reading Psalm 40. I'm in the Passion. It summarizes for me everything, the drawing close, the being willing to speak, the understanding who he is, the understanding who I am. It says, I waited and waited and waited some more, patiently knowing God would come through for me. Then at last he bent down and listened to my cry. He stooped down to lift me out of danger from the desolate pit I was in, out of the muddy mess I had fallen into. Now he has lifted me up into a firm, secure place and steadied me while I walk along his ascending path. A new song for a new day rises up in me every time I think about how he breaks through for me. Ecstatic praise pours out of my mouth until everyone hears how God has set me free. Many will see his miracles. They will stand in awe of God and fall in love with him. Blessing after blessing comes to those who love and trust the Lord. They will not fall away. They refuse to listen to the lies of the proud. O Lord our God, no one can compare with you. Such wonderful works and miracles are all found with you. And you think of us all the time with your countless expressions of love, far exceeding our expectations. It's not sacrifices that really move your heart. Burnt offerings, sin offerings, that isn't what really brings you joy. But when you open my ears and speak deeply to me, I become your willing servant, your prisoner of love for life. So I say, here I am. I'm coming to you as a sacrifice, for in the prophetic scrolls of your book, you have written about me. I delight to fulfill your will, my God, for your living words are written upon the pages of my heart. I tell everyone, everywhere, the truth of your righteousness. You know I haven't held back in telling the message to all. I don't keep it a secret. I don't hide the truth. I preach of your faithfulness and kindness proclaiming your love to the largest crowd I can find. So Lord, don't hold back your love or withhold your tender mercies from me. Keep me in your truth. Let your compassion overflow to me, no matter what I face. God rescues us so that we can play a part in rescuing other people. That's what we're here for. That's our commission, isn't it? Just take a minute, just think where you are in relation to all of this. You might not be anywhere, you might not be a Christian as yet. If you're not, talk to somebody, discuss it, ask questions. But where are you? Can you say to God, here I am, before he tells you to go? Do you draw close? Do you recognize that he's this awesome, magnificent God? Do you know who you are 
because of everything that he's done. Just work out where you are. Father, I just thank you that wherever we are with you, whatever state we're in, all you want is for us to come to you just as we are. Just as we are. And Father, whatever part in our walk with you that we're on, whatever step that we've reached, whatever the challenges, whatever the difficulties, where there's things that we find hard to believe or there's things that you ask of us that we find hard to do, Father, may you find a willing people just to take the next step, just to do the next thing, to dare to believe that we can live in a way that is worthy of Jesus, that we can step out and tell people about the amazing love that we've found. Wherever we're at, God, just take us further and deeper. May we be amazed and thrilled and delighted about everything that you do in us, but also everything that you do through us as we reach out to those around us. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen.